0: Welcome back to another episode of Suiting Up Varsity, a podcast dedicated to the sound of the band, the smell of popcorn, the feel of an old leather jacket, the sight of teenagers hoisting trophies high above their heads, and most of all, the grand history and fantastic stories of Nebraska prep sports. Join us as we look back in time at great moments from a century plus of Nebraska high school athletics. I've had a podcast episode kind of bouncing around my creative process for a couple years uh, about the development of the Nebraska High School State Playoffs, which began in 1975. Nebraska was slow uh, compared to the states around it in putting together statewide brackets. Uh, newspaper columnists had been in favor of a playoff and loved to point this out. And, uh, you know, that kind of chatter had been going on since the 1940s. Uh, but it took uh, Nebraska until '75 to get that together. Um, I don't think this is the whole story here, but I think there's some interesting things I've dug up and I thought I would put together uh, this episode. Uh, there are certainly a lot of interesting moving parts to the story. The NHSAA, uh, the predecessor of the NSAA, actually declared state champions Uh, Many years, in the 1910s and the 1920s, uh, there was no bracket, uh, but the schools and the newspapers often kind of formed a consensus around a late-season matchup, often an arranged matchup, like the famous 1920 Cambridge versus Omaha Tech game. And the winner was then anointed the official state champion by the state association. In 1927, the NHSAA adopted a new constitution. And that brought an end to that tradition. It was actually banned uh, that the state uh, association would play a part in declaring an official state champion. Um, That was part of the move to conferences. You know, the conferences were going to decide football champions and we didn't need a statewide um, decision. Uh, Kind of, you know, like the colleges dealt with. Uh, Remember that that uh, 1927 Constitution uh, also nearly ended the state basketball tournament. Uh, I covered that territory in our episodes about the gigantic 1926 state basketball tournament that are still back in the feed, uh, if you want to listen to that. It's in the late 1950s that newspaper chatter uh, about the need for a Cornusker State playoff system really began to bubble up. You know, everybody had been pretty happy with the conference system uh through the 30s and even most of the 40s. You heard it once in a while in the 40s uh, that they ought to be able to be getting people together. Uh, in the 50s, the small schools, like the six-man uh teams, were still organizing bowl games. Some of those declared uh unofficial state championship games, and the newspapers often went went along with the winner of those. Um, but the big schools uh didn't have anything like that. Uh one thing that kind of drove Nebraska to start talking more about a statewide football playoff system was the success of the Oklahoma model. Um, And that was at least partially because of a few prominent uh, Sooner expatriates uh, who were playing a big part in the Nebraska sports scene. And they were very willing to be evangelists for high school playoffs, having seen it in their home state. Uh, The first was Bill Jennings, a former Bud Wilkinson assistant at Oklahoma, who was the new head football coach at Nebraska. Uh, He was willing to give the newspapers uh, pro-high school playoff quotes uh, when they wanted to do a column to push a playoff. Uh, And then there were two Oklahoma-born brothers uh, who were prominent in uh, Nebraska coaching in the 1950s, and they were very positive about the Sooner system. Uh, Earl Appleby was coaching in Hastings, where he won the 1954 state basketball title and uh, a trio of American Legion baseball crowns, of course both sports that had uh, statewide playoffs, while his brother Merle Appleby was in Lexington, uh, where he led that legendary 1957 Minuteman team uh, that won the state state Class A title, again, a, another episode back in our feed. Uh, the Appleby brothers uh, were also willing to uh, testify about the Oklahoma system and encourage its adoption in Nebraska, and their names would appear in in columns when newspaper men were trying to stoke playoff fever. Uh, Despite these prominent playoff cheerleaders, the idea could never really quite get over the hump, uh, even as Iowa, Kansas, and Colorado adopted systems right next door. Um, There was pushback about Nebraska weather, uh, about the importance of conferences, uh, which of course uh, we know from history will be wiped out football-wise in Nebraska eventually by the scheduling system that is a byproduct of the playoffs, and about the traditional importance Uh, On the Nebraska calendar, that the the playoffs that those conferences held, uh, you know, uh, often around Thanksgiving, uh, held in the hearts of Nebraskans. Through the 1960s, no playoff system really gained much steam. Probably the most pro-playoff occurrence was the collapse uh, in 1964 of the huge proposed Quinn City Conference, uh which was supposed to unite Omaha and its suburbs Lincoln and even outstate giants like Hastings and Grand Island into one conference. Uh again, I've documented that in in a couple episodes back in the catalog about how that league uh, succumbed to its own weight. And that really affected the state's high school sports structure. Uh but it was one factor Uh, that proved that the Class A teams couldn't just form a super conference uh, that would serve as a stand-in for a statewide playoff system. Finally, a series of uh, complicated polling seasons where no clear state champion could be named probably provided the last big push to make the playoffs a reality. Uh, The biggest mess uh, among those, in my mind, is 1968. So, uh, uh, I thought we'd talk through 1968. It's kind of a fun football season in Class A. Uh, the title ended up split, uh, but not even in a traditional way. Uh, you know, Omaha-Lincoln split with, with the Omaha paper choosing an Omaha team and the Lincoln paper choosing a Lincoln team. Instead, both newspapers went one way, Lincoln High, uh, but the Associated Press's statewide panel uh, went the other, choosing Fremont. Uh, Beyond those two, there were several other teams with a decent argument that they might have deserved consideration and great arguments that they could have battled their way through a playoff bracket to a state title. Uh, That led me uh, to to really take a look at that 1968 season uh, and the ratings controversy in Class A and and even beyond. Uh, I really believe that 1968 cried out for an NSAA playoff. Uh, The 68 season... Uh, wasn't just another year with a split state title uh, in the state's largest class. Uh, It probably was the best argument that that Nebraskans had heard a long time for a statewide playoff. Uh, Let's just run through the Class A contenders. Lincoln High. Of course, the Lynx, as the greatest athletic program in the state, state title high I like to call them, were a constant player in the ratings game throughout the history uh, of ratings champions. In 1968, though, Lincoln High started out the season with a clunker. Uh, They traveled to Hastings, where the Tigers hadn't had a winning season since 62, uh, and nearly lost. Hastings stormed back after trailing the Lynx 13-0 at halftime, uh, and... uh, and then ended up having to settle for a 13-13 tie uh, only because they gambled and went for two on their first touchdown. Uh, they set things, uh, Lincoln High set things straight the next week after an eight-hour bus ride to fe- face defending state champion Scotts Bluff. After a scoreless first quarter, the Lynx exploded uh, for four second-quarter scores and won 53-7, uh, and then they wouldn't lose again. The Red and Blacks swept to the Trans-Nebraska Championship with only three close games. Uh, A 13-7 win over second-year school Lincoln East, a 9-7 win over West Westside, and a 14-7 win over Grand Island in the season finale. That made them uh, 8-0-1 and feeling like state champs. To the north, another team was having the same feeling, Fremont. Uh, The Tigers entered... Uh, the Big Ten playoff game at 9-0, in which they hosted Scotts Bluff. A late Fremont touchdown drive broke the tie and gave the Tigers a 20-14 lead and the inside track to an undefeated state title with only 54 seconds left in the game. Uh, But Scotts Bluff quarterback Tom Engelman and receiver Frosty Anderson weren't through yet, frantically driving the length of the field to tie the game. Uh, But just as it happened to the Tigers, the PA T kick went awry, and the game ended in a 20-20 tie. So now you had uh, Class A with two teams that were unbeaten but with a tie. Uh, Both had strung together long winning streaks. Um, Lincoln High getting tied in the first game and Fremont getting tied in the last. Uh, Even when comparing schedules, uh, it was tough. Both had defeated Northeast, Southeast, Pius, and Grand Island. And the margins of those games was very similar. Uh, Fremont had throttled that Hastings team that had tied Lincoln High, but of course, High had similarly destroyed Scotts Bluff, uh, the team that had just tied Fremont. The only tiny data point uh, to separate the two was the Lynx win over Omaha West Side, which had just defeated Boys Town to win the Metro Championship. Fremont didn't have a win like that because it hadn't played Westside. Interestingly, 1968 had been the first year that Westside dropped off Fremont's schedule in several years. Uh, that, wasn't, that was enough for the newspapers, and so they both sent their titles to Lincoln. Um, others count differently, but for me, uh, that was the 16th state football championship for state title high and the last, last one. Uh, there was still one voice to be heard, though the Associated press's panel of fifteen sports writers throughout the state had their closest vote ever. Lincoln High got seven first place votes, and Fremont got eight, taking the AP crown by one thin vote and splitting the title. Uh, it was the third class A top ten title to be split um, in the last five years, uh, and so you can see how that starts to build playoff momentum that alone. Uh, would be enough to turn up the volume on calling for an NSAA playoff. But there were other voices. Other teams in 1968 that had a legitimate claim um, that they would be the favorite to climb through a statewide bracket if there had been a 68 playoff. Start with Westside. Sure, the Warriors were just 6-2-1, but they handled Boys Town to win that Metro title. And they had been the top of the mountain just two years before, going unbeaten to claim the consensus 1966 state title. Interestingly, in between those two seasons, the nineteen sixty-seven Warriors went winless, zero nine. I'm not sure uh, Nebraska's seen quite an up and down like that. State title, then zero nine, and then metro title. Uh, their two losses were super tight. Uh, they lost seven to three to Omaha North and nine to seven to Lincoln High at Seacrest Field. One has to think that West Side would like a playoff bracket to prove those games could have gone the other way. And the Warriors might not have been the best playoff case in the Metro. Omaha North, remember a winner over West Side, had stumbled out of the gate just like Lincoln High, losing to Omaha Tech 24 to0. But then also like the Lynx, they had rolled through the rest of their schedule unbeaten to finish eight and one. They were kept out of the Metro playoff by a tiebreaker, uh, but would have been a tough play playoff out for anybody. and probably uh, you know Omaha Tech being quite a bit better team than uh, then uh, Hastings um, maybe had as good an argument as Lincoln High. You know, very similar uh, season. Uh, but what about that team that blanked Omaha North in the open or Omaha Tech? The Trojans were the number one team in the state for the first three weeks of the season uh, before they stubbed their toe against Westside 10-6. Just like the Vikings, they won all the rest of their games to finish 8-1, uh, and they missed the Metro playoff because of a rules interpretation. Not only could Tech make a case to be uh, the hot team entering the playoff bracket, uh, but they also had a calling card that the people of Nebraska would have liked to have seen play a few more games, running back and receiver Johnny the Jet Rogers. There's more. State power Bellevue, led by legendary coach Bill James, also had a season similar to Lincoln High. The Chieftains stumbled early, losing to Boys Town by 2 in the opener, and then being tied by Westside 7-7. to After that, it was nothing but wins finishing 6-1-1, but the Chieftains were kept out of the Metro in favor of Boys Town, even though most of Omaha thought Bellevue was the better team by November. We probably uh, better add Coach Skip Palrang's Boys Town crew to the conversation. Uh, They had a slip-up against Omaha Benson early, but were 8-1 entering that Metro game with Westside, and of course they had been the undefeated state champions in 1965. That would be uh, seven teams, uh, that would think they could all win a title in a playoff, not, not just we deserve to be in the playoffs. I think that would be seven teams that all thought they could win it. Um, throw in maybe a Lincoln Northeast, who was the second best team in Lincoln, though they had four losses, including a shocker to a pious Pius tenth team. Or maybe a Creighton Prep, uh, though with losses to Westside Bellevue and Boys Town, they, they didn't really have a win over a good team in 68. Or Grand Island. Uh, with competitive losses to High and Fremont and a win over Northeast. The Islanders did lose to 4-3-2 Hastings, though. Uh, maybe the best number 8 team for the playoff would have been the team that gunked everything up, the Scottsbluff Bluff Bearcats. The Bluffs had been the World Herald's 67 state champ in another split title year, but had been cast aside by the Raiders when they opened with two bad losses falling to Cheyenne Central of Wyoming by three scores before getting clubbed by the Lynx. Uh, when they fell to Rapid City Central 47-20 to 20 in October, that made three big losses. But they went 4-0 and in the West Big Ten, the division that had the upper hand in the conference many, many years, and they traveled all the way to Fremont. That That Big Ten championship game was on the road, and with the brightest of lights turned on, rallied for maybe the biggest tie in state history. Also, Cheyenne Central and Rapid City Both finished the year as top teams in their respective states. I think I'd uh, have liked Scott's Bluff to have that eighth playoff spot and see uh, what mayhem they could have caused at Omaha Tech or Bellevue or maybe with a rematch against Lincoln High. However you slice it, 1968 was obviously fuel for the playoff fire. Four years later, in 1972, the state's football coaches would meet in Kearney uh, during the annual Teachers' Convention and hatch out a specific plan And by 1975, playoffs would finally come to Nebraska. The story of that plan uh, that they put together in 72 is pretty interesting, too. In the 70s, when Nebraska became one of the last states in the nation to move from newspaper ratings to playoffs to determine its state champions, uh, there were plenty of heavy hitters working on the NSAA's 31-man committee appointed with the task. Uh, Plenty of names uh, we still know today played lead roles uh, on the committee uh, to build Nebraska's playoff uh, system. Uh, here they are. Coach Ken Parrish, who made Cozad a perennial top 10 team uh, in the late 60s and early 70s and led the Haymakers to a consensus 1969 state newspaper title in Class B. Uh, he had been a Lincoln Journal Star Coach of the Year. Uh, Lincoln East football coach Lee Zenick, uh, who would win the state's first and fifth ever Class A titles uh, once the playoffs got going. Uh, to go with two ratings era titles for the Spartans he directed six state championship teams 71, 72, 74, 75 and 79 Uh, and coached 57 All-State players. His coaching honors include uh, 1975 Lincoln Journal Coach of the Year, 1976 Omaha World Herald Coach of the Year, 1980 Nebraska Coaches Association Coach of the Year, 1980 Journal Star Coach of the Decade, 1985 National High School Regional Coach of the Year, and 1970 Shrine Bowl Coach. A career record of 187 wins, uh, and he had been a Husker captain in 1959 when they had the huge upset of Oklahoma uh, and he scored on a punt return uh, touchdown that day. And then you had McCook football coach Milt Teniper, uh, who of course would join Tom Osborne and Lincoln a couple of years later in building the greatest offensive line tradition and the greatest uh, college football program in the history of America. But the fourth name on the list uh, 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 developing the possible playoff plans for that committee Uh, In fact, the man who uh, devised most of the math uh, for the plan that would eventually be developed isn't as well known to the modern Nebraska prep fan. Uh, He was a 24-year-old math teacher and track and football coach from Lewiston, Randy Carlson. It was Carlson who took a hard look at the plans of two Nebraska neighbors, Kansas and Iowa, and melded them in a formula that could overcome the entrenched opposition to a state playoff that had built up over decades in the Cornhusker State. There were three big obstacles to the adoption of a decided-on-the-field bracket, which had thwarted Nebraska playoff proponents for two decades. Number one, the widespread geography and just the sheer number of 300-plus football-playing high schools in the state. Number two, the entrenchment of the conference structure that included many season-ending and lucrative conference championship playoff games. You have to remember that those conferences were making good money on those playoff games. They were a big deal, and they drew big crowds. And number three, the brutal Nebraska late autumn weather that always threatened any plan that moved games too far into November uh, and simply laughed uh, at any that considered December. Uh, You know, Nebraska, even uh, by the late 60s, Nebraska's tradition of playing uh, into Thanksgiving week had pretty much disappeared and the season had been shortened. You see most playoff games happening around Armistice Day, uh, around November 11th instead of Thanksgiving by then. Uh, It was an atmosphere where many considered those barriers unclimbable. Uh, And in that atmosphere, young Carlson carried his pencil and paper figures and plans to that playoff meeting in 1973. It's probably a credit to the Nebraska Schools Activities Association organization that the 24-year-old Carlson was even given a seat at that committee table. Uh, Each of the five NSAA Board of Control members from the six geographic districts across the state at the time, was asked to appoint five members to the ad hoc committee uh, formed forming in 1973. Wilbur Superintendent Eugene Schneider appointed Carlson, who taught 50 miles down Highway 4 in Lewiston, and Carlson showed up with a plan. He looked at two recent additions to the state football field, Kansas and Iowa. Those two states' movements to bracketed championships helped thaw some of the ice around Nebraska's movement. They shared some of the same challenges that we did here. Carlson told the North Platte Telegraph four decades later how the committee began to coalesce around his figuring. Quote, The others were pretty passionate about what they thought should happen. We had some common ground and were thinking along the same lines in a lot of areas. There were some agreements and some disagreements, but everybody was pretty supportive of my plan. Carlson had uh, an early proponent that helped publicize his plan. NSAA Executive uh, Secretary Jim Riley latched on to Carlson's plan early, uh, promoting it in 1973 by releasing mock playoff standings to the media so the state could kind of watch how this would work. The Lincoln Journal, led by prep writer Randy York, published those figures weekly. Some things about the playoffs have changed quite a bit uh, since Carlson's system was adopted. Uh, more teams were added at several stages. It started with just fourteen playoffs, and of course, we've had brackets as big as uh well as big as everybody in the class competing in districts uh penalties and rewards for playing up or down a class have been tweaked. Um, you used to be uh, uh you used to lose points for going down a class, which uh they got rid of while keeping the points you get for going up a class uh and the first plan only divided opponents. Uh, at the 500 mark, Uh, so you got more points for playing a winning team than a losing team, and of course now team opponents are divided into four sections. But Carlson's basic plan from 1973 is really still in place. That's the the NSAA point formula that we know so well. Teams are rewarded for games according to the opponent's one loss record and receive bonus points for winning. Carlson's basic plan uh, was in its 46th year this year. Well, that's it uh, for another episode of Suiting Up Varsity. Thanks for joining us. Remember, in between episodes, uh, you can catch up with us on our Twitter feed, uh, which is at Suit Up Varsity. Or you can check out our website that has a lot of links to uh, uh, some of the data that we've uh, put together doing this project, uh, some of the lists. Uh, like our list of the greatest athlete at each school is nominated by my Twitter followers. Uh, that's at suitingupvarsity.org. Uh, I want to thank, as always, my brothers who helped me with this research project, Trent and Tate Mays. Uh, and uh, thank my buddy, Chris Shukai uh, for his inspiration and help with the uh, audio problems. And as always, I want to dedicate this episode to the godfather of Nebraska high school sports history, Jerry Matters. Join us again next time. This has been episode number 40 of the Suiting Up Varsity Podcast. Copyright 2021, the Varsity Sports Network.